0: Amen. I love to hear God's people praise His name. Amen. You know, it's, uh, we had a great uh, day here on Wednesday, just enjoying lots of people coming into our church and welcoming them. And just what a, what a blessing it was. Um, and I know that uh, we're moving towards another holiday, uh, Thanksgiving coming up, and uh, I do hope that you will be a part of our thanks feast and that you will bring people and invite people to come and be a part of that. Um, you know, one of the ways that we can um, kind of uh, spend a little more time with that is, is um, you know, call it a season, you know, uh, Thanksgiving season, so that it's not just one holiday, but actually those many weeks here involved, and what a blessing it is that we can... Uh, give thanks to the Lord. And this morning I want to talk, uh, I'm starting a series of the next few weeks on kind of an attitude of gratitude and, and knowing um, what that Thanksgiving looks like. And, and really this morning I, I want to speak about the benefits of a grateful life. Um, you know, it comes to us sometimes where we don't feel like maybe we... <laughs> I'm gonna be real honest, okay? Here's some truth. We're so spoiled ...that we forget to give thanks. And, and you know, there are some tremendous benefits of, of having a thankful life. You know, someone described the evening news as the program where the announcer comes on. He says, good evening. And then he proceeds to tell us why it isn't good. You know, can you imagine the evening news program that only ran the good news? I mean, 3,000 planes took off and landed as scheduled today without any incidents... The economy seems to be doing fine. No politicians were indicted for corruption today. Uh, crime is down, and families will gather in a couple of weeks for a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I mean, we would love to hear that, you know, and it might uh, uh, be something that would be surprisingly refreshing. But we know that that would not be realistic. Part of the reason that they give us the details of the things that are going on in our world is so that... that. Uh, you know, it's not going to help us by sticking our heads in the sand and acting like some of this stuff isn't out there. Um, it helps us to know how to solve our problems when we know what's going on. It also helps us to know how to face the future if things are positive or, or in a negative way. You know, I want to read just a, a, a few verses here out of Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. And this probably doesn't seem much like a thanksgiving passage. But I, I want to I point something out to you here and hopefully we can take something away from this this morning. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 and reading down through verse 5 says this. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He goes on to say, Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Loving Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that this morning that you would truly transform our hearts to be thankful, Father, that, all that you, of all that you provide and all that you are. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would blanket this place. Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak individually to our hearts. Father, that... that We would come to grips with the truth of who we are and how we behave. God, that you would speak to our hearts. And Father, that you would cut away all of the hardness. And Father, that you would give us hearts of flesh. Father, that that, that our hearts would be open to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) You know, Ray Pritchard, he has a humorous intro ...to this not-so-humorous chapter. He said, you've probably heard the old joke about the fellow who was told... ...Cheer up, things could be worse. And so he said, I did, as I was told, I cheered up... ...and actually things did get worse... That's kind of what this passage reminds me of in a nutshell that that Paul is writing to Timothy. You know, if Paul really wanted to encourage Timothy for the work of the ministry, it seems to me like he would have said something like, Hey Tim, don't worry, it's going to get better. But that's not what he says here. He says it's going to get worse. I mean, a sermon about gratefulness based on this passage may seem unusual But if we look closer at the the listing of the conditions characterized here about the end of time, about the end of history, it includes something called ungrateful, unthankful. You know, as you read through this long list of evil characteristics, you, you probably think of the godless enemies... ...of the faith that never darkened the door of the church. But then you come to verse 5. You come down to verse 5 where Paul says... ...that they hold a form of godliness... ...although they have denied its power. And you realize... ...great grief. He's talking about those within the church. He's describing professing Christians... Some are church leaders. They teach Bible studies. They're not passive, sitting in the pews members, but they are those who are active in ministry. But their religion is just an empty shell. And they lack the reality of a genuine walk with God. They're not spending time with Him every day. They're not walking with Him. Their religion is an empty shell. And they talk a good talk and they they put on a good front and in their motives and in their thought lives and in their personal relationships, they are not godly people. In the last days, this will happen. See, it's easy to read this list and to think, you know, I knew someone that fits this description. And you know, that guy... That joker, he was, he was a real scoundrel. He was a scallywag. Or maybe, maybe we thought about it and we said, you know, I've read about guys like this and shame on them. But I believe that Paul wanted Timothy and us to do some personal soul searching. And ask the question, Lord, is it I? Are you talking about me? Is this who I am? Could I be drifting into holding to a form of godliness but denying its power to transform my heart? See, there's two great commandments that Jesus gave us. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love our neighbor as ourself. See, that's been turned on its head in this passage. I mean, you could sum this passage up by reading the first and the last statements. But realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. I mean, that kind of explains it, doesn't it? We're so engulfed in ourselves. We're all wrapped up in who we are. And Jesus said the first requirement, if we were going to follow him, if we were going to be his disciple, that the first requirement of that was to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. I mean, you look at many of the verses in the Bible, they command us to humble ourselves not to think too highly of ourselves and the reason he says that in his word is because that is our innate tendency is to think more highly of ourselves than we are boy look at me i'm so good look what i can do Look at all of these things, and we we build ourselves up, and Scripture tells us over and over to humble ourselves, to deny ourselves. See, there are no verses that tell us to love ourselves more than we already do. None. There are no verses, no Scriptures that tell us to esteem ourselves more highly than we already do. There's none. None. They tell us to humble ourselves, to deny ourselves. But you see, these lies permeate the church today. And our text warns us that self-love heads the list of all manner of evil. See, obviously ingratitude is not a little sin in God's sight. See, we're not very good at saying thank you, are we? Not only thank you to God, but thank you to others. Because the reality is, is we wouldn't be where we are today if it were not for others. If it were not for Almighty God. But somehow we think we've arrived here on our own, by our onesie, that we can do this on, by ourselves. And we cannot. I mean, we're like the little boy at the birthday party. He returned from the party and his mother asked... Bobby, did you tell the lady, thank you for hosting the party? And he said, well, I was going to. But the girl ahead of me said, thank you. And the lady said, don't mention it. And he said, so I didn't. But that's kind of the way we view things. I mean, throughout the Bible, we are warned to give thanks. It not only pleases God, but there are many benefits for those who do. And I want to think, I want you to think about those with me for just a little bit, the benefits of a grateful life. You see, our, our gratefulness, our grateful lives, they stimulate others. Think about this. Appreciation and encouragement strengthens others and it motivates them toward greater performance. I mean, which one of us does not like a pat on the back once in a while? Which one of us does not like that attaboy, that, that encouragement of, hey, way to go. Thank you for doing that. And when we, when, we, when we show gratitude in our lives, it stimulates others. But the opposite of that is also true. Criticism, especially destructive criticism, kills I would say this, unexpressed gratitude can stifle enthusiasm. You know, when when we want to express gratitude and we don't, you're basically putting a lid on that enthusiasm. What if we blew the lid off of that? What if we were constantly encouraging one another instead of putting each other down? Husband and wife. Siblings. Churches. People. See, as Shakespeare said this, he said, Blow, blow, thou winter wind, thou art not so unkind as man's ingratitude. Thy tooth is not so keen because thou art not seen, although thy breath be rude. He's saying the winter the winter cold wind is not as, as harsh. As humanity's ingratitude. See our grateful lives stimulate others. But our grateful lives also foster humility. I mean counting our blessings. It magnifies our indebtedness. To many people. I mean I thank, I thank God for the people. Who showed up early. Swept off the porches. Turned the lights on. Made things comfortable for us so that we could enjoy that I'm thankful for the ladies who come in each week and clean up and clean the bathrooms and vacuum the floor and clean the windows and do all of those things but most of us never give it a thought we just assume this is the way the church looks all the time if you were here on Wednesday night you know that's not the case there may be popcorn and candy wrappers on the floor sometimes but you know what Somebody cleaned that up. And we're thankful for it. See, our grateful lives foster humility. Certainly, our recognition of God. The salvation that He provides for us through Christ. Our security in Him. The fact that He gives us air to breathe. And the physical ability to serve others. ...is a great blessing. See, when we recognize Him... ...and when we recognize what others have done for us... ...it helps us to be a more humble person. Because we didn't think that we did it on our own. Do you realize that Alexander Graham Bale... ...he was more grateful for his U.S. citizenship... ...than for the honor and praise that he won as an inventor. He wanted it recorded on his grave marker, and this is what his grave marker says. Alexander Graham Bell, inventor-teacher, born Edinburgh, March 3rd, 1847, died a U.S. citizen in 1922. I mean, the gratefulness of being able to live in this country. By the way, you need to go vote. Vote. I'll just put a little plug in there. You need to go vote and exercise the freedom that we have. He was excited about being a citizen of this great country. Thirdly, I would say this. Our grateful lives discipline our selfishness. Oh my, how selfish we are. Most of the time we can only think about us what we're going to eat for breakfast, what we're going to have for lunch, what we're going to have for dinner, what we're going to do, how we're going to spend our money, what we're going to do next week. All of the things that consume us because we are selfish people. But when we live grateful lives, it disciplines our selfishness. See, this kind of grateful perspective, it focuses the attention, our attention on others. When we think about that, it pushes us beyond the fences of our own backyard to care about the needs of those around us. What a blessing that is. You know, I I think we are headed towards some, some crisis in our nation. But I remind you of this. The words inscribed on our Statue of Liberty that symbolize the spirit of selfless service to others. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming, your your crowded shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. See, when we are truly thankful, it keeps us, it keeps our selfishness in check. When we are thankful, it helps us to be a blessing to those around us. See, we live in the greatest country in the world, and we are blessed by God. We are so blessed by God, but recognizing that giving our thanks and giving of ourselves keeps that selfishness in check. It helps us to realize, hey, we live here by the grace of God, by his blessing. We live here by the grace of others that gave their life so that we could have the life that we live today. But scripture says in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much is required. So don't think that you can take it all to yourself and and, and, and can it and sit on it and let it just be yours and yours alone because to whom much is given, much is required. Scripture also tells us that we've been blessed in order to be a blessing to others. See, our grateful lives will also brighten hope in others' lives. I mean, gratitude develops a wholesome outlook toward life. It registers the many benefits received. (laughs) When we are thankful and truly thankful, it fights discouragement. It fights things like disappointment and depression. and, and, And it focuses our desire on others, not just on ourselves. Folks, isn't that what we need? Many times we're just so focused on, on us and what we're doing that we fail to see what's going on in other people's lives. Many times, God has put them in proximity of us so that we can be a blessing to them, maybe to brighten and to bring hope into their life. You know, Ray Stedman, he tells about his time in the Navy. And this is what he says, he says, we all took our meals in the mess hall. And he said, if you could have seen the the men that were serving the food and how they plopped it down onto the tray, you would understand why we called it the mess hall. But he said, I recall sitting with a Christian brother, getting ready to eat our our food off of our tray. And he said, across the table was a, a great burly quartermaster. ...who was as pagan as they come, he had a foul mouth, which isn't uncommon in the Navy. But they blessed their food and he said, as we always did, we bowed our heads and gave thanks. And it it happened that his friend who was sitting next to him had a dislike for the food they were serving... ...and so he expressed his dislike for it. And then suddenly the, the big burly fellow sitting across the table, he spoke up and he said, look... Didn't you just give thanks for that? The guy kind of shook his head and he said, then eat it and shut up. Word? Here's the principle. You cannot give thanks and complain at the same time. You cannot give thanks and complain at the same time. And the word to us from Scripture is in everything give thanks. And we ask, why does it say that? Why does it say in everything give thanks? Surely it does not mean in everything. But it does mean in everything. In every situation, give thanks. God is the one in control. God is the one taking care of this. See, the will of the Lord is that we be put in difficult situations and have unpleasant circumstances in order that we might have opportunity to manifest, to show forth the love of Christ Jesus. Think about this. When when we're put in difficult situations, other people are watching us. We have the opportunity to show the life of Christ in our life by how we handle what we go through. See, most of you probably know that my folks have been living with Tracy and I the last couple of months. And over this weekend, Joshua and I went and um, we helped move them into their own apartment. They're not sleeping there yet, but their stuff is there. And so, hopefully in the next day or two, they're going to be nesting and making that their home. And, and um, you know, I talked to a nice gentleman the other day named Eddie. And he works for Lowe's. And he's the delivery driver. Uh, they needed a, a washer and dryer. So, we purchased a washer and dryer. And they were coming to install it at the apartment. And he was very nice to me about making the appointment and things. And I I thanked him for calling me and setting it up and and all the the things that go with that. And um, when I finally met him at the apartment, he came in and he said, You must be Ridge. And I said, I am. You must be Eddie. And we shook hands. And right away, he asked me this question He said, What do you do for a living? I said, well, I pastor Memorial Baptist Church. And he said, I knew you were a man of God. I didn't have to tell him that. He knew that. And the reason he knew that was, I mean, would that each of us would show forth our life. That that, that we would exhibit the kind of gratitude that can be seen. Well, I happen to know that he goes to Canyon Creek Baptist Church. Because I said, where do you go to church? Where do you get your preaching done? He said, Canyon Creek. I said, all right. Well, praise the Lord, brother. You know, R. Kent Hughes, he, he writes that the fullness of the Spirit calls us to a radical spirit of Gratitude. We are to thank God in the midst of difficulties for everything which is consistent with His fatherhood and His loving Son. You see, here's my point. The fullness of the Spirit rules out grumbling, complaining, negative, and a sour spirit. Because no one can be filled with His Spirit and traffic in these things. To be ungrateful... To be all of the things that Paul writes here, boastful and arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossip. Those two things don't go together. That does not go together with the Spirit of God. And while we may think it's within our right to grab a pound of flesh whenever we can, it's not. The Holy Spirit gives us the spirit of discipline. See, in America, we as a people... We have so much. And yet we mourn because we don't have what somebody else has. Such thanklessness indicates a life that is missing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But you see, I I say that a positive, thankful attitude... (laughs) A positive, thankful attitude announces the presence... ...of the Holy Spirit. See, the way we manifest the life of Jesus... ...is by allowing His Spirit to fill us... ...and to control us... ...and to enable us to accomplish... ...the supernatural... ...the things that are not possible... ...in and of ourselves. The classic example of this... ...is the personal letter... ...from the Apostle Paul... ...to the Philippians. From a Roman prison from a Roman prison, he could make the key words in that letter, joy and rejoice. You know, Alexander Pope, he expressed it this way. He said, hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man is never, but always, to be blessed. See, gratefulness is the basic source for the growth of all the other winsome traits of our personality. I want to share with you one last thought and then I'll be finished. During Thanksgiving, one year a family, they were seated around the table and they were looking at the annual holiday bird sitting on the table. And they were they were told to be thankful and, and to bring up things that would cause them to be thankful. And um, when it came, you know, they were going from the oldest to the youngest and they were expressing their praise. And when it came to the five-year-old. ...sitting at the table. He began by looking at the turkey. And he expressed his thanks to the turkey. Saying although he had not tasted it, he knew it would be good. And after that, he gave a rather novel expression of thanksgiving. He he began a more predictable line of credits. He began thanking his mother for cooking the turkey... He thanked his father for bringing the turkey home from the store. He went beyond that and he joined with a a, a whole hidden multitude of benefactors... ...linking them with cause and effect. And and he said, I'm thankful for the checker at the, the grocery store who checked out the turkey... I'm thankful for the people at the grocery store who, who put the turkey on the shelf. And I'm thankful for the farmer who, who, who raised the turkey and made it fat. And I'm thankful for the guy who, who created the feed for the turkey. And I'm thankful for those who brought the turkey to the store. You know, using his little Columbo-like uh, little mind. I know I'm dating myself with that one. But he traced the turkey all the way back from its origin all the way to his plate. And then at the end, he sincerely said, did I miss anyone? His seven-year-old brother, embarrassed by all of that, said, God, you missed God. And solemnly, without being flustered, the five-year-old said, I was about to get to him. Well, isn't that the question we ought to be thinking about during this Thanksgiving season? Are we really going to get around to God today? I mean, when was the last time you thanked God for the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ? You know... I was about to get to him. Really, we cannot get to God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. And many times our ingratitude is just like spitting in the face of Almighty God. He gave. At a tremendous cost. So that we could be made right. So that our sins could be forgiven. So that that our certificate of debt has been canceled. So that we no longer walk in bondage to the things of this world. But we've been set free by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. To live in freedom. And to be thankful for the things that God has done in our life. See, we have that opportunity every day, but we don't use it. And so today, I simply remind you, you didn't get here on your own. Other people and Almighty God paved the way for you and for me. I just, my prayer is is that we would find God. That we would get around to Him. I don't want to be the guy that is, has a form of godliness. But denies the power of God. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we know that You know all things... And Father, my prayer this morning is that you would just continue to show yourself mighty in each of our lives. Father, how we need you. We go through times of being close to you and times of being further away. But God, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit would draw us into a close fellowship with you. Father, that you would show us and reveal to us where we stepped off the path, where we went our own way, Father, where we chose our way over your way, Father, where we've been rebellious, where we've been ungrateful, where we've been the things that Paul described in that passage. Father, that you would show those very plainly to us. And that God, we as your people, would come to a place of repentance in our own heart. Father, where we would come to a visible place of repentance where we would want to manifest the life of Jesus. Father, where we would no longer be grumblers and complainers. But Father, that we would be showing forth the life that is filled with your Holy Spirit. Father, where there is no limit to the love and the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control that come through the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I pray that you would reign us in. Father, that your Holy Spirit would draw us. And Father, that we would confess our sin to you. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son. That he poured his blood out in his broken body. So that my sin would be covered by his blood. So that when you look at me, you see your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that for every soul in this place. Father, for every soul who can hear and understand. My voice, I pray, Father, that they would hear your voice and understand your Holy Spirit. And that they would be drawn to you. Father, I pray a great repentance upon your church. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be heavy until we get right with you. And Father, that you would hound us. Father, that you would just not even let us sleep until we are right with you. God, we thank you for this time. I pray that in this moment, this time of decision, that your spirit would reign freely in our lives. Lord, we love you. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for us. And I pray that you would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen.